your house to worship you, and we thank you that indeed your blood does speak for us. Now, God, open our hearts and our minds that we will hear a word from on high, and not only will we hear it, but that you will be glorified and that we will be encouraged and blessed. For it's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. I invite you to turn with me once again to the book of Acts. We are preaching a series of sermons through the book of Acts, and today we're in chapter 14. And I want to look at verses 15 and following and saying, men, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you and preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all things that are in them who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. I want to preach today from the subject, mission. The mission is possible, so be persistent. The mission is possible, but be persistent. Stay at it. Don't give up. Acts 14 Uh, begins with Paul preaching publicly. And as he preached publicly, he he noticed a man whose interests and gaze communicated to him that God was moving in this man's life and that this man had the faith to be healed. As Paul was preaching, he was looking into the eyes of people. He was observing them, as preachers do. And you can tell where the word is connecting but you can also tell where people are someplace else. You know, their minds are on the football game or internet or someplace else. Well, Paul, discerning, he's looking at these, this man, and he knows that this man is ripe. He has the faith to be healed. He has the faith to be saved. And so following the prompting of the Holy Spirit, Paul says to the man, In a loud voice, that is, so that not only the man can hear, but everybody else can hear and everybody else can witness what God is about to do. He says to him, stand up straight on your feet. Not only did the man stand, the scripture tells us, but he began leaping and he began walking. Now, with this great miracle, the stage is set for Paul to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ because that was the purpose of the miracle. They didn't have the full account of the Old and New Testament in those days, so God would work miracles to get people's attention, to set the stage for the gospel that was to come. And so now the stage is set. This great miracle has taken place. People are all eyes and all ears, but there was a problem. The problem was that the Laconians, that is the people of Lystra, had an ancient legend that the gods Zeus and Hermes had once come to the hill country disguised as human beings seeking lodging and seeking food. Although they asked a thousand of the residents to take them in and to feed them, no one agreed to do so. And so the legend goes that finally, at a humble cottage made out of straw and reeds, a poor elderly 
couple named Philemon and Barusus freely welcomed them in. And this couple, as the legend goes, was the only one that that welcomed them and, and fed them with their meager resources and in appreciation for what they had done. The legend says that the gods transformed the cottage into this beautiful temple. And he made the couple a priest and a priestess. And at the same time, this couple was being, was being elevated for what they had done. The other residents were being destroyed because they refused to help the god Zeus and Hermes. So it was the inhospitable homes, having refused to lodge the gods, were destroyed. And so the Laconians, who were steeped in this superstition, steeped in this nonsense, had bought hook, line, and sinker, this false legend, were fearful, and they were determined not to let it happen again. Not to let it happen again. So what was their game plan? Look at verse 11. Now when the people saw what Paul had done, They raised their voices, saying in the Laconian language, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. You see the connection? They have this legend. They have been taught this legend from childhood. And so now when Paul and Barnabas show up and the lame man is healed, they're thinking that the gods have done it, that they have come, and that Paul and Barnabas are gods. And so they are not about to repeat what happened to their ancestors. And so they are saying the gods have come down in the likeness of men. Now, notice Luke is careful to point out that the natives spoke in the local Lyconian language, which Barnabas and Paul obviously did not understand. Now, apparently from the text, Barnabas had an impressive authoritative look about him. He was probably a large man. He probably looked like he had authority. So in verse 12, the natives called him Zeus. In other words, he looked like a god, the chief chief god. And so Paul, being the spokesman, the one that was doing the talking, they naturally called him Hermes, who was the messenger of Zeus, the God. Yet Paul and Barnabas, not being able to understand the language, did not know what it was they were saying. All they knew was that people were excited and they were saying they were saying something, but because Luke points out they didn't understand the language, they had no idea that the people were calling them God. Now watch carefully in verse 13. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was in the front of the city, brought oxen and garlands. Garlands were were wreaths made out of flowers. You've seen them at the Olympic Games, and you've seen them around kings and high people of high standing. They brought oxen and garlands to the gate, intending to sacrifice with the multitudes. And when Paul and Barnabas saw the priest, saw the animals, saw the oxen and the garlands. 
the light came on. When they saw those oxen, they saw the priests, they knew what was about to happen. They, re- they realized that the people were viewing them as gods, making gods out of them, and were about to worship them. So it was Paul and Barnabas courageously protested against this sinful behavior. They tore their clothes and they ran in the midst of the crowd. The tearing of one clothes was a sign expressing shock, expressing dismay, expressing sorrow. It expressed righteous indignation, righteous anger, because God, the one true and living God, the God of their fathers, the God of of their mothers, the God of their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, uh, Messiah, Savior of the whole world, was being disrespected and rejected and replaced by men. And so Paul and Barnabas tore their clothing in protest against this sacrilegious, this disgraceful, this despicable act. So Paul and Barnabas said, I believe as loudly as they said to the lame man, as Paul said to the lame man, stand up. They said, stop. Don't do it. Don't do this. Don't worship us. We also are men with the same nature as you. You see, here is the reality. The people of Lystra were accustomed to worshiping two things. First, they were accustomed to worshiping man-made idols. They were accustomed to worshiping stuff. They were accustomed to bowing down to their things. They had made gods out of their stuff and out of their things. The problem, of course, was that These man-made items they worshipped were lifeless and totally helpless in saving them from sin, death, and judgment. They had all of this stuff, all of these things that they worshipped, but the stuff could not save them. The stuff could not help them. The stuff could not deliver them. Second, they were accustomed to worshipping man. But again, there was a serious problem because man, whether they wanted to acknowledge it or not, regardless of his title, was aging. Man was suffering. Man was dying. And man could not save himself or anyone else. Now, here's a question for you Does this scenario look familiar? In 21st century society, do we not see contemporary idols all around us? Do we not see people worshipped and bowed down to because of how they look or their titles or their positions or their talents or their abilities or their achievements, etc., etc., etc. Do we not see the worship of houses and, 
and cars and land and stuff is not the problem, the issue, the dilemma not the same in that people and stuff can never save, can never heal, can never deliver, not even themselves. Feudal nonsense is what it is. Oh, thank God that Paul and Barnabas set the standard. Oh, thank God that these two men of God, Paul and Barnabas, missionaries, messengers, disciples, full-fledged followers of Jesus, said to the Laconians in verse 15, why are you doing these things? We are also men with the same nature as you. Hashtag, we have a sin nature like you. Regardless of our robes, regardless of our titles, regardless of our positions, we have a sin nature like you. We have feelings like you. We have infirmities like you, we have temptations like you, we have sufferings like you, we have aging and dying bodies just like you. Now verses 14 and 15 set the stage for the preaching of the gospel. In verses, why? In verses, in verses 15 to 17, why? Because as long as the people in their minds held the ludicrous notion that Paul and Barnabas were gods, they would not be open to hearing about and meeting the one true and living God. You see, there was a barrier. As long as they viewed Paul as a God, as long as they viewed Barnabas as a God, they would not be open to hearing about the real, the true, and the living God. Well, once this ludicrous, ridiculous, preposterous, insane notion is gone, once these real men of God help put things back into perspective, the door was wide open for the preaching of the truth. You see the obstacle? You see the barrier? As long as they saw men as gods, they would not see God as God. Paul and Barnabas had a job to do. They had a mission. Their mission, which they accepted, was to get out of the way and help people to see God. So Paul began preaching in verse 15. First, you should turn away from these useless things to the living God. The people you worship are useless to help you. No matter how much limelight they have, no matter what their credentials are, they are useless. Turn away from worshiping man and turn to worshiping God. Paul preached that it was God they needed to turn to. Paul preached 
You should turn away from these useless things and turn to the living God because idol worship is useless. People and things, people and things, people and things will always let you down, but God never will. I've been preaching now for going on 41 years, pastoring this church for going on 20 years, and I can assure you that there have been times where I have unintentionally let you down. But not God. Not God. God will never let you down. God will never fail you. Man, no matter how good he is, woman, no matter how good she is, at some point, place, junction, will fail you. Put your trust in God. Second, Paul preached that it was God who made heaven the earth, the seas, and all the things that are in them. Since his Gentile audience did not have a background in the Jewish tradition, Jewish customs, and Jewish laws, Paul skillfully connects them with God through creation. Paul moves to his third point in verse 16, preaching that God in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own way. Paul explained that because God allowed people in the past to walk in superstition and rebellion did not make it right. What he's saying to him, just because your parents and your grandparents believed in Zeus, it does not make it right. Therefore, they could not justify their sins based upon the attitudes and the behaviors of past generations. Fourth, Paul preached in verse 17 that God did not leave himself without witness. That means that God called and commissioned people to preach the good news of his son, Jesus Christ. Here's where Paul would have taken the opportunity to share the gospel with the Laconians. Here's where Paul would have told them that God sent his son, Jesus, into the world as a living sacrifice to die for your sin. No more need for oxen. God did it. Jesus is the supreme one and for only sacrifice. You need none other. He would have preached that Jesus lived a sinless life, yet died on the cross to pay for the sins of humanity. Not Zeus, not man, not woman. Jesus died on that cross to pay for your sins. Verse 17 would have been the place the crossroads and the intersection where Paul would have said Jesus died, but he didn't stay dead. It would have been a place where he said early on the third day, Sunday morning, Jesus, not Zeus, Jesus, not the priest, Jesus, not your worthless idols, but Jesus got up on the third day, Sunday morning, with all power in his hands. Put your trust in him, in Christ, in Christ alone. Then lastly, Paul concludes in verse 17 saying, in that he did good. He said, in that he did good, gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. Hashtag, Paul declares, God is good all the time. 
and God alone is worthy of our worship. Give honor where honor is due, but worship only God. Give respect where respect is due, but worship only God. Now, interestingly enough, Luke concludes this narrative with verse 18 stating, And with these sayings, they could scarcely restrain. That means that Paul and Barnabas could barely hold back the crowd. They narrowly kept the multitude from sacrificing to them. Isn't that something? That means that the church on mission, the church that accepts the mission, must understand that the mission is possible, but we got to be persistent. Out of all of that preaching, out of all of that healing, they saw the lame man, they heard the preaching, they heard Paul and Barnabas say, we are only men, worship God and God alone, and yet, These two preacher missionaries had a hard time holding the people back, keeping them from sacrificing to them and viewing them as God. Y'all know what that means, don't you? That means the church on mission must be persistent. We must keep on preaching. There's some hard heads out there. There's some stubborn people out there. There's some people out there who don't get it. But we must keep preaching. Church on mission, we must keep teaching. Church on mission, we must keep testifying. Church on mission, we must keep telling the story. We must persistently tell the story over and over and over again. The church on mission, we must keep living the life that Jesus called us to live. The church on mission, we must be persistent in loving people, even those who are hard to love. Even those who are stubborn, even those who are rebellious, even those who hate you. Even those who hate you just because of who you are and what God is making out of your life, love them anyway. The mission is possible. You must be persistent. Even when it seems like folk just don't get it. Don't you give up. Don't give up on your job. Don't give up on your co-workers. Don't give up on your husband. Don't give up on your wife. Don't give up on your church members. Don't give up even when it seems like they just don't get it. You're on a mission. The mission is possible, but you got to be persistent. Don't give up. Don't give out. Don't give in. Keep telling the story. Tell the story and trust God to turn the ship. I read one, one, one while ago that big ships turn slowly, but they do turn. Don't give up. It's turning, y'all. Don't give up. Go 
in sovereign control. Tell the story and trust God to turn the ship. Tell the story and trust God to stem the tide. Tell the story and trust God to make a way out of no way. Tell the story, y'all, and trust God with the results. Father, we thank you so much.